Hello there. This is the Getting to Ramen podcast. We're at episode 14 now. Uh, I, I should have timed it differently. I should have had episode 13 right on Halloween or something. I, I don't know. Missed, missed opportunity. But uh, anyways, this is episode 14. Today I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Kyle and Landon from User Feed and Ad Reform. So they're, they're running two products. And... I've been really excited for a long time to get on a chat with these guys and and talk about using customer feedback to inform a product and to make it better, uh, especially for a customer that I don't know very well. So let's get into it. Roll tape. So to start, uh, how, so I guess ad reform was first. How did that come up? Like, how did you guys come up with that idea? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we so we actually both used another company together um, called Rigger, and it was like a it was a web performance platform. So think like New Relic or something like that. It was kind of in that world. Um, Kyle ran engineering, I ran sales, and we decided to break off and start our own thing. But at that company, we worked with a lot of publishers, online publishers, um, and we were monitoring their websites to figure out how um, you know how slow they were, what was slow, how to fix it all that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, b- their main problems were centered around ads. So they wanted to figure out like why their ads were causing a poor experience. And, um, so we kind of set out to start a company to build something that kind of would dig into ads a little bit more from a user experience perspective, you know, tell them, you know, is it the creative that's causing this slowness? Like, is it a big image or something? Or is it, uh, like the exchanges behind the scenes, serving the ads, like what, what's causing the problem here. So we ended up, uh, when we first started, we went out to New York city and met with like, like 15 to 20 companies. I just like emailed all these people telling them kind of what, what our idea was and what, you know, what we were thinking. Um, and so we met with all of them and we obviously would talk about our idea and like try to get feedback on that. But one of the things that we'd also ask is like, well, what's, what's like a big pain for you guys? You know, what's a challenge on a daily basis that's like really painful, costing you money, costing you time. Um, and this one particular thing kept coming up that we had never heard anything about. And so we, we actually decided, Hey, let's just, uh, let's, let's build that thing. Right. Like that seems like that's coming up and, um, you know, it's something that I think we can, take on a little bit quicker and maybe get to a dollar in revenue quicker since we were bootstrapped that was obviously important and so we started down that track and that's sort of uh how the in, in terms of like customer feedback and and you know building a product and business that way like it started there and it just kind of like evolved over time um until the point where i feel like we were kind of struggling on the product feedback side and just organizing it all and uh, making sure we were prioritizing in a, uh, a way that made sense. Um, and obviously getting a lot of our customer support was coming through intercom. And so we were like, Hey, let's just build like a little tool for, for intercom. Right. And so Kyle built that initially and, you know, it wasn't user feed. It was just a, a thing that we built, uh, internally. And then eventually, we were like, Hey, this is pretty cool. Let's, let's make this public and like, uh, you know, add the right features and, you know, pricing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, we launched it in about a month, uh, launched it on product hunt and, 
so far it's it's gone really well so uh, now we've got two products which is kind of strange but um, it's actually worked out pretty well um, a lot different than I initially thought it would when we first started it I don't know if you have any thoughts on that Kyle that pretty much sums it up yeah I mean we started it as a an internal tool and then we just happened to hit the timing right with intercom so they started releasing more stuff for their platform and we were building on it right at that time. So it just, I think that really helped us that kind of prompted us to say, Hey, this should be maybe a commercial thing. Um, because not only are they investing in the platform and we're already building on it, but there's a lot more stuff we can do now that enables, we were, we were building a lot of kind of hacks on top of what they had with like web hooks and stuff. And so what they were, what they built with their messenger app platform, was perfect for what we were trying to do so it felt like a good time to just oh we'll try something new um so yeah here we are awesome yeah i've heard that the josh pigford uh at barometrics uh he he was saying that you really have to get the timing right for for the integration the cross promotion of integrations to to be like a really good growth strategy and with barometrics they they launched their integration with stripe and stripe was promoting them and um, they did the same thing with slack and that worked really well but it was because they were launching these app stores at that time whereas if i go in now and try to to promote an integration with slack or or with stripe it's just not going to be it's just not going to be beneficial so you guys were there at the right time i was going to say it's interesting on that front because yeah we kind of lucked out in terms of timing. And then I think we had an initial boost from that. And then as they kept trying to promote the platform, we got like, we weren't, we weren't the cool new kid anymore for a little bit. Um, but we kept, we kept our, we basically kept bugging all the people over there to stay top of mind. And ultimately I think the fact that we're entirely built on intercom just continues to set us apart in a way that they, would give us a little more attention, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not, it, it's definitely not easy to rely so heavily on someone to help promote you, but it's, it's been a good experience with intercom. Yeah. It's, that's the, like we've had, we've definitely had some struggles with, um, you know, as, as you know, there's been more apps coming onto the store. Um, you know, how do you stand out? Um, how do you get intercom to promote you? Um, and so we've like been this con just like a pro just like product, like a constant cycle of like optimize and iterate, um, and, you know, trying to just kind of improve a little bit, uh, every day and like build a little bit better relationship with them every day. We've figured out a lot of like, we don't want to say too much, but like we, <laughs> we figured out some little loopholes and things to make sure that, that our, our product and our app are getting eyeballs, um, but yeah, there's been some, it's been interesting, but, uh, but yeah, we kind of caught it like right at the, like right when they, right when they sort of started promoting it. So that was really good timing. And, um, again, to Kyle's point, like it does help to be like, Hey, we're built a hundred percent on intercom, um, versus just like everything else. I think there's, there's three products on intercom that are like, kind of like, Hey, we're built for intercom. Right. And then the rest of them are all just, you know, light third party integrations. So, um, we, you know, we're hoping at some point they make like an entire like collection or a category for apps that are built fully on intercom. Um, so we'll see, but that that's definitely helped too. And so, uh, so to kind of step back 
a second. So c- could you explain what ad reform is, the problem it solves and, and how it solves it? Yeah, I'm not going to go too too deep into it because it starts getting into the weeds of like weird stuff that people probably won't understand <laughs> unless they're in the, uh, you know, the ad tech industry. And if you're watching the video and I keep taking my headphones off, it's because there's like an echo and it's like, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to talk. But um, yeah, so ad reform is... Um, it's an ad operations tool. So every, uh, online publisher, um, ad tech company, even some like larger advertisers, they have teams internally that they call ad operations teams. Um, and these are just people that are focused on everything from serving the ads to QAing the ads before they go live, um, to optimizing and reporting on these campaigns. Um, so at every, every, uh, you know, different type of ad tech company there, they do a little bit, you know, something a little bit different, but, uh, across the board, they do a lot of just very manual, tedious, uh, activities on a daily basis. A lot of which are in spreadsheets, uh, and in Photoshop and just and PowerPoint. And so it's just like, there's like an endless amount of things that they're doing that are what I would consider a, a big waste of time. And so what we've tried to, to build is a platform with a number of different tools that automates uh, certain aspects of what they're doing. So we've started out, started out with a couple of things. So not to go too much in detail just because it, it just gets <laughs> weird. But um, there's an ad screenshots tool, which is like a big requirement in the industry that they have to show like screenshots of their ads for campaigns. And so that's um, one of the tools. And we also have an ad QA tool. Um, which uh, tests the user experience of the ad that you upload into our system. Uh, and then we also um, we also have a ad landing page uh, QA tool. So basically um, testing, you know, for every campaign, which there may be, you know, 10 or there may be thousands of ads per campaign, just being able to test, uh, do these ads actually go to a landing page that's live, right? Or is it a 404 or the wrong landing page? Does the, um, like the visual creative for the ad, does that match the landing page? So being able to quickly see that um, before, you know, people are just like literally just like loading ads on their browser, clicking the ads, going to the landing page. Okay, that's one. I got a thousand more. <laughs> and then just like going yeah. back and forth. And so we do all this stuff uh, through like browser automation, um, and, and just automate a lot of those different things. We've got a lot of things that we still want to automate, but that's essentially, um, how we, uh, you know, how we bring value to, to ad operations teams. The last company that I worked at, we had hundreds of ads. And so, and we were doing that all manually. Watching people do that stuff manually is hard to watch. <laughs> so it's been fun going from, we've literally gone into offices and watched people do their jobs and then ship something that makes that all go away and that feels very satisfying the nice thing about that space at least you know for us is there's just a, like it's um you know ad operations is uh they don't get a lot of love from the SaaS community meaning there just aren't there aren't a lot of products built for them um especially in kind of the, some of the different things that we solve like there's almost like no products so it's it is pretty niche um but you know, that's, that's a good place to be, right? Like, um, you know, we don't have a lot of competition. Uh, it's definitely something where, um, you know, the, the majority, like we've talked about it before in some of our blogs and, and the, and, uh, the podcast, but when you're a bootstrapper, like you have to find free, free channels, like you aren't going to have the, the resources or the time to kind of go the paid acquisition route, at least in the beginning, like in the early stages. And so with ad reform, you know, we've, 
uh, it's mostly been through like Google search and um, a little bit of like outbound sales type stuff, but mostly just people finding out about us like through Google search and stuff. So obviously being a, a fairly, you know, for us being fr- a free channel. So, um, so it's been nice to be kind of in that, in that niche. And then, you know, on the other side of things, while we are in, in a, a bit of a niche in terms of how we solve the problem for user feedback, I mean, user feed, there's a lot of tools out there for, for feedback. Right. Um, so that's been a completely different world, right? Just like <laughs> a lot of competition, a lot of things going on. And so we've had to kind of niche down to a specific piece of that and solve that problem in a better way. But there, it's just like two very different, uh, markets. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so, so initially you guys actually went out and met with these potential customers for ad reform. Were those contacts that you had from the previous job or, or how did you find those? A few of them. I'd probably say like maybe 10% of the companies that we met with were people that we had met with in the past. Um, but most of it, honestly, it was just cold email or LinkedIn. Like it was, Hey, here's, uh, we just started this company. We don't have a product yet, but this is the problem we want to solve. And we'd love to get your feedback. Um, if it's, I feel like a lot of people don't do this, but like if, if what you're solving is actually a pain point, people will meet with you, whether you have a product or not. Right. Um, especially if you can say, you know, add a little legitimacy to it, like, Hey, you know, this is where we came from. This is like the, the, the product that we've built before or the products that we've built f- before. So you're not just some rando that like for all they know, can't do anything. Um, and so, you know, we added that to it, but like, yeah, it's just straight up kind of just grinding away, cold reach out. And I mean, we, in a three day period, I think we went on, it was 15 to 20 meetings. I think it was 18 is what it was, but, um, which is like crazy. Right. And we're not even, you know, we're not from New York. So there was a lot of interest in solving this problem. So I think that definitely helped. That was a, that was a part of it. But, um, you know, obviously we reached out to a lot of people to try to, to pull together some meetings, but, um, but yeah, I think I, I would definitely recommend that people talk to as many people in, in the industry that, you know, they're trying to, to break into before they ever build anything. Um, and make sure that, you know, you're not just focused on what your idea is, but like, just tr- trying to find out more about what they do on a daily basis and some of the struggles that they have. Cause you might end up finding, you know, some other, uh, uh, some other product avenues that you, you know, weren't initially aware of. You're getting more and more, um, that like how valuable this is. I know that there's a talk, a talk that, uh, Jason Cohen did from, uh, from WP engine. He was, he was, he was just saying how, like when he initially reached out about, uh, to, to potential customers, he even offered to, to pay them for their time to, he's, he's like, Hey, I want to solve this problem. I'll, I'll pay you whatever that hour is worth to you. And nobody actually ended up asking for the money, but it was, uh, it was, it was just, it, they, they understood that he was serious about it. I think that's one thing that I really like about user feed is that we, we always think about customer conversations as like this project that you do or something where before you build anything or when you're building a feature, you do this like one-time project where you reach out to people and set up calls and go do this stuff. Um, which of course can be super valuable is also if you're an introvert or not wired that way is exhausting, but those kind of conversations shouldn't be, and they don't have to be one-time projects. Like that should be an ongoing effort that you have. And you're, if you're talking to customers in support 
or I mean, that's the primary channel. When you're talking to customers and support, those conversations can easily become the similar type of conversation. That's uncovering pain points, edges of like what your product can do, what where competitors might have you beat. Like that's coming through in those channels if you're listening. And that's one reason we love Intercom and, and why we built user feed was to help kind of pivot the way people think about that. So it's not just like a someone has problem, fix problem, and then stop talking. It's like someone took the time to write me and I should try to capture as much value. Well, I think Jason Fried just had a tweet about getting rid of the word capture, um, <laughs> which, so I agree with that. I should try to like extract as much from this conversation as I can. And we found that like, that's the best time to do that is when they're trying to do something and it doesn't work or it doesn't work like they expect, or they don't know where to look. Not only are you learning, Hey, maybe we should improve our UX on that thing, but maybe what they're actually trying to do is something completely different. And so I think those kind of, they're completely different, uh, orientations, but the idea of talking to people and getting at what the actual jobs are trying to accomplish is something that shouldn't just be a one-time effort. Kind of switching over to user feed here. Can can you explain what user feed is, and then maybe maybe an example of how how you would use it? Yeah, sure. So, in the simplest terms, user feed is a lightweight feedback layer on top of Intercom. So we started building it at AdReform, especially because we aren't from the AdOps background. That kind of helped us think of support the right way, I would say, because we had to use those opportunities to extract that information from people. Um, so in all these conversations we're having an intercom, we're trying to learn more about what people are trying to do, why, what are the like different aspects of everything. And we wanted to easily centralize that, that we were getting and then prioritize it, talk about it and then build it and ultimately tell the people that told us like, Hey, we shipped a thing to help you do that. Um, so that's that's what we started out trying to solve is how do we do that in a lightweight way? We're already having all these conversations in Intercom. And so user feed lets you convert parts of conversation into feedback. And then you can either attach to existing feedback or submit new feedback. There's a fair amount you can do, but it, it keeps those conversations linked to the feedback so you can reference them later. If and when you decide to build something, you can go look at like the actual context of those issues. Uh, you can It links all the users as well, so you can... If you need more information, you can reach out to one or all through Intercom. And then if you do decide to ship something, you can click and message them all in Intercom. Like, So you're using all the tools you already use, and you just have this st holding area for all the other, for all this feedback. Another stuff. thing is like, obviously, user interviews are super popular, right? It's like get on the phone and kind of talk it out. Um, which requires you to like schedule a call and get, you know, just like this, right? Like it, it took time and we got to schedule a call a couple of weeks in advance and, it, and then it's going to be like an hour long. Um, and you know, surveys, right? Like you sit out a survey. The problem is with, with all those different methods is typically, um, you may get, you, you will potentially get some good feedback, but, um, you're, you're not getting the, you're not getting the raw feedback in the moment and in the place that the user is having it, right? So like if you're on a call with them, it's like, okay, I'm trying to rack my brain right now to remember some stuff that maybe was a challenge or I, you know, whatever. And so they're gonna give you that information. But like if they are talking to you in live chat inside your app and telling you about a problem that they're having in the moment, like that's the rawest form of feedback. So why not focus on that and gather that, um, that important information like in, when they're having it? So that was another big reason why, like, 
whether you're using user feed or, or not, right? Like it's like, those are the moments that can be super impactful from a, a quality of feedback standpoint. And so, um, you know, anybody that's running a, a SaaS product out there, you know, I, I think they should be using some sort of, um, some sort of product to be able to, um, you know, gather that information from users like in the moment. Um, so that was another reason why we, we built it on top of intercom. So you guys, you just hit $250,000 in annual recurring revenue. Woohoo. That's yeah. <laughs> congratulations. That's uh, that's Thanks. pretty huge. Yes. Uh, so how long since you started ad reform until, until you got to that point? So I think we wrote the first line of code for ad reform in January of 2017. That was like when we started like messing around, Kyle started just, it was mostly like research, right? Like he was like, I think writing some initial scripts and messing around trying to see if, <laughs> can we do this thing? It's been a little bit over two and a half years um, since we started ad reform. We didn't get our first customer till about four months in. So we're sitting there at, at flat at zero for about four months. And then uh, user feed has been, I guess, about a year and three months, something like that. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I feel like that's for a bootstrap company. It feels feels pretty fast to get to that 250k mark. Um, I'd say the main reason why we're there, though, is is just that we've we've really had great numbers on the churn side, and we wrote about this too. And I think we talked about it. But if there's anything that's helped us to get to that point, it's been really not having much churn, and then also being able to increase our pricing and still be, be able to bring on kind of the same amount of customers, and then also be able to like a lot of most of our customers, if not all of them, have upgraded at some point. So we have a pretty solid. Um, kind of upgrade path. So that's been like the biggest reasons I'd say we got there. But, um, the early days were, it wasn't easy for a while <laughs> and we never, like we never took any money or anything. So like we were like just straight up not paying ourselves for a long time. And that was, uh, that was tough for probably, probably tougher for our, our wives. <laughs> I would say they were not as, uh, pleased about it, but, um, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, it was, there was definitely some hard times in there. So like six months in, I got grand jury duty for two months. I don't know if anybody out there has ever been on grand jury, but like, I never knew about this, but apparently grand jury duty is like two months where you go in three days a week for the entire like work day. And you, you hear like a hundred cases every, every day. Um, and you just oh basically say yes or no, whether it goes to trial, but long story short, I had to do that for two months, like six <laughs> months into our business. And so it was just like, come on, like nothing can go right. You know, we only had a couple customers and it was just like, that was just like a miserable, like two months. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not all, uh, it, it's going to be hard. So if you, if, if you're out there trying to start a company, like just expect it to be hard from the start. I think expectations are good. Like you should expect for it to be really hard. I don't know that I had that at first. And, uh, you know, so it, I sort of hit like, a, oh my gosh, like what is going on right now? I thought this was going to be, you know, a little bit easier. Um, so it was, you know, you know, you run into those hard times if you don't have those expectations up front. Right. And, and so did you guys go f uh, full-time right away then? Yeah. Yep. So we both left the last place um, at different points of the end of 2016. And then we started kind of beginning of 2017. That's when we hit it and went up to New York and started poking around at some software solutions and stuff. So yeah. So it was, that was a little unique maybe, I think like 
I feel like more and more people I hear doing it this way typically are like trying to find different income streams. We kind of didn't do it that way. And like I picked up a little bit of contract stuff. I know Landon did a little bit of that as well, but like much more, we were full-time on the business, super part-time on contract work as opposed to the opposite. None of that stuff lasted too long because it was, once we got a few customers and we were kind of finding our way, it it was like, I think we can just focus on this and, and suffer a little longer on the salary side and, and get there. So like, just to be fair, like both of our wives work. Um, and so that was, I mean, you know, if like you have a significant other that doesn't, doesn't work or needs to be home with the kids or whatever it may be like that makes it a a lot harder I think um so we we definitely had that I know some people out there like I've just been in like Twitter conversations or something where people are you know they're like I can't do you know I can't do do that because of x y and z in my life and that totally makes sense but um I like to mention that because I feel like you know some people out there don't like aren't in those situations and they're just like how could you possibly not take money? Like, how could you not like pay yourself for that long? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think I could ever do that. And so, yeah, we did, we did have some things that helped, um, from that perspective, but, uh, you know, there are other, obviously, you know, there are a a ton of different avenues now for early stage kind of bootstrap funding to like ease into that, make that easier. Some of the ways that people did it before was like contract work or, working in another company and doing it on the side, you know, obviously doing it as a side project. Um, so those are great ways. And sometimes I think maybe we should have done that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're past that now. So, um, you know, um, but I don't know. I mean, I think if we were to start a company again down the road, like some of these other, uh, capital sources like Ernest or tiny seed or one of these, you know, you know, different companies might, might be a good good option um to go that route and not have to like you know take a year off from getting paid anything right um so that was our that was our path so can't really go back and change it now so we started ad reform at the beginning of 2017 my wife actually had just uh gotten her real estate license and so she switched careers from teaching to real estate in the middle of 2017 and we found out we were having our first baby in like march or <laughs> april of 2017 so I would say like that confluence we had, she still had some income coming in from teaching and then she hit the, hit the ground running on real estate, but it was definitely not like an obvious thing that was going to happen, you know, when you're switching and then we had a baby coming. And so there was a period there. I think when I, I was just like grinding so hard when I was just like, Oh gosh, this is, this is getting real. Um, and that was probably like right around when Lana was on grand jury duty. I was just like in the basement building stuff. I, I specifically remember when you, uh, when you, we were like out with you and Claire and she says like, I'm pregnant. And I thought she was joking at first. And then I looked <laughs> at you and you were like, yep. So we got to make money now. And I was like, I just remember being like, so like scared. I was like, <laughs> oh no. Like it, it almost was worse than it being my own baby. Right. Like it was like, oh no, like I, like we gotta, I gotta do this for him. And you know, f- him and Claire, like we gotta, we gotta make money. Cause I felt like I'm like, we're both obviously involved in like helping the company make money, but me being like having a sales background and, and that kind of stuff, like I felt like a little bit responsible for bringing money into the company. So <laughs> I was getting super scared and then I get the grand jury thing. And it's like, I just remember that whole like one or two months was just like, it was, that was one of the lower points that I've probably ever had. Like, it was just like, I was, I was doubting myself and, um, 
uh, it was just like a hard time. A lot of curveballs getting thrown at you when you're already trying to do like one of the hardest things, which is like bootstrap a, a company um, and make it successful. And so it was just like, man, what is going on? Are we going to get a break here? Like what's, what's happening? So, um, but you know, we got through it and got over that hump. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of what like building a, a SaaS company or building a bootstrap SaaS company, whatever, um, you end up doing. Uh, I think a lot of it is just like, how long can you like survive? Like, can you just last long enough to get over the humps? Like most people I, f- I feel like can't do that whether that's because they literally can't do it for like real financial reasons, which totally makes sense, or they can't do it because they're just like, they're just like dying inside, you know, like, it's just like, it's too hard. And I totally get that too. Um, but it's just like how, you know, I think that's most of it is just like, can you just keep going? Can you just take a step forward every day? Can you just get that 1% better every day and just keep doing it consistently? I think that's just like, that's like probably like 80% of the battle. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, I see a lot of people talking about market, the market being the battle and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I think that that's true to, to some extent, but I think a lot of it is just like, how long can you just keep pushing to get 1% better every day? Even if your market's not great, like you can still have a successful outcome, especially if you're bootstrapped and it doesn't need to be this big thing. Um, if you can just keep getting a little better, a little better, a little better. Um, I think most people would, uh, have success eventually. Uh, but yeah, it was a crazy time for sure. Oh yeah, I think this was uh, this was a really good um, insight into kind of the journey. Really appreciate uh, that you guys took the time today to to go through some of this with me. And I, I think there's stuff here that's just going to be valuable to a lot of people oh, starting well, out. I was just I was about to say like it's this feels so different from your the the previous podcast because I feel like in the last podcast you were getting like basically you were getting interviewed and you were talking the whole time. And then I feel like in this one, it's like just us talking the whole time, but that's cool. You have like a different thing going on every week. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely been interesting. I'm still kind of figuring out what this is going to look like, but, um, but ultimately the goal is, uh, the networking part of this has been huge and the learning part. I've just like been learning a ton from the conversations and, and also the early episodes where I was just kind of going through my own thoughts and stuff is just good to reflect. Yeah, the first but, episode uh, I heard was one with a baby crying in the background. And I was yeah. just like, I just, re- I remember walking in and telling Kyle, I was like, I just heard this podcast. There was like a, a, the podcast was about like having kids and trying to start a company. And also like the, the overall theme was just like a baby crying in the back. And I was like, I, I get that. We've been on call. We've been on calls where I think we've probably both been on calls where baby screaming in the back. But I specifically remember one customer call where Kyle, Kyle's uh, little one, just lost it, total meltdown, and it was like so loud. And Kyle was trying to respond to this guy, and the, I just remember looking at this guy on the video, and he was like just not pleased. Obviously, didn't have kids because he was like he just did not get it. Right. And. Um, but that's okay. They're still customers, so we're yeah. all good. <laughs> you also get that mute effect where it's like you're on mute to make it stop, but then when you unmute to talk, it's just like instant, extremely loud. <laughs> so I think it makes it a little worse in some way. Yeah, yeah. well, this is real life. That's uh, really valuable. I, I, I'm really appreciating the entrepreneurs and founders that have families and are being open and about what it's really like because that's just another another piece to the already difficult slow uh, sass ramp of death <laughs> yep for sure all right 
Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. All right. See you. Thanks so much for listening. When I went back through and edited this, there were some parts that really stuck out to me, specifically around um, the part where Landon was talking about how hard it is to build a business and how important it is to just keep pushing 1% a day and just keep trying to make progress consistently. And and yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here. So don't forget to check out userfeed.io. If you're on Intercom, just go install userfeed. Give it a try. You won't be disappointed. Um, and uh, as well as adreform.com if you need an intelligent ad operations assistant. And also hit up Landon and Kyle on Twitter. Landon is LandonB32. And Kyle is Kyle Conaro, at Conaro, so C-O-N-A-R-R-O. You can also tweet at me at at getting to ramen on twitter and let me know what you thought of the show let me know how you're feeling so far about getting to ramen should i keep going uh i'm josh i already introduced myself so have a great day i will you will hear from me next week sir or madam